Coming to you from the heart of the Pacific Northwest, with mouths as big as the Columbia River, egos as tall as Mount Rainier, smooth as a drive from Vancouver, B.C. to Portland, Oregon, it's the Northwest Convergence. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. It's good to be back this week. Uh, It's been a long week kind of dreary you know rainy and stuff but uh we're here and we're glad you're there and we had a lot of people checking in last week listening to the show uh before we talk about last week's show let's go around and introduce everybody big joe how you doing hey i'm doing great everybody as always greetings and salutations from the man cave in the city of destiny tacoma washington (laughs) that's right and double d how's it going over there oh it's doing pretty good wonder boy and i had a have we're having a great time right now we just got done lacquering a floor in a house and we're feeling great <laughs> that oil-based uh, stuff man i it, was wondering why you were tripping over there yeah. Yeah. I, i'm just chilling in my chair <laughs> just enjoying time no kidding next Double time piece. you do that give us a call yeah. no, no 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 i was purifying the air on? with my lungs don't uh, don't bogart the fumes bro <laughs> <laughs> and then also we have of course our man squeeze back here and wonder boy doing their thing we can't do it without those guys we appreciate them so much and uh last week man what a great show great show fantastic. we had uh, wiley gustafson if i do say so ourselves yeah I mean, we weren't fantastic, but our guests were great, man. We were okay. And uh, yeah. so this week, I got a really nice package from uh, Wiley Gustafson from Wiley in the Wild West, and he sent us some CDs. Thank you. And a uh, DVD, and he even autographed a picture for Big Joe and Double D. Yeah, that was really nice. It was Thanks, really Wiley. nice. Thanks, Wiley. We certainly appreciate that, and, and we appreciate him coming I want coming you to know that's my first autograph article i've ever had <laughs> from anybody pretty much i thought you were going to say that uh, your autograph picture was on the way to wiley <laughs> yeah. well I, I said that i've got a lot of autograph pictures of myself but i haven't had anybody take any takers yet and <laughs> no stock there uh also want to give a quick shout out to the uh the warner house cat boys they were real nice and put up a link uh to our show on their website it was fun to have them on and then heather heather also uh gave us some love on her website and uh, we got a little. We're going to go see her, right? Right. The uh, night before Valentine's Day, February thirteenth. Uh, yes. So this coming. Oh, what? And that's in two weeks on a Saturday. Yes. Yeah. So a week from this coming Saturday, go. go we're going to go see Heather. So we're a good show. Thanks to all of them. They were really nice to us, and and we certainly enjoy having all of them on. We hope we can ha- have them back on. We got another big show this week, though. And a lot of cool guests. You know, we like to go, uh, we consider ourselves the Northwest Convergence Zone. We encompass all of the Northwest. And this week we're going from Vancouver, B.C. all the way down to Los Angeles, which you might not consider the Northwest, but it's in the West. Yes. And uh, we have a big-time guest coming to us from L.A. on our show today. But we're going to start our journey in Vancouver. And Joe and I were just up there. We went up to see a live uh, version of the Trailer Park Boys, <laughs> yes. which was awesome. Ah. If you've never seen the Trailer Park Boys, you got to check them out. It's the funniest TV show uh, ever broadcast. It was mostly broadcast in Canada, but you can get their DVDs. And they're all done with that. They had seven seasons and two movies, and uh, they're going to be starting a new series. But the Trailer Park Boys, wonderful. We were there. But Vancouver has some great talent. And one of the big-name talents. So we talked to Red Robinson not too long ago. And this next guy uh, that we're having on our show, his name is Dow Richards. 
There was a time in the uh, U.S. and Canada and all over the world when swing and big band ruled the airwaves. And he was a part of all of this. Now he's 92. And he's still swinging. Yes. This guy, uh, most most men his age have hung it up. They've gone to, you know, down somewhere where it's warm. And they're hanging out in retirement. This guy stays so busy. He's playing all the time. And he's got some really big events coming up. Yeah, it's unbelievable. He's played the PNE for 70 years. 70 years he at the PNE. He does two shows a day. Yeah, yeah. And he's done 75 straight years as uh, as the, the, the New Year's Eve ball, the Dow Richards New Year's Eve bash. And what from what I understand, his lovely wife told me that this year at the New Year's Eve bash, they played for, I don't know, four hours and people were yelling for more. Hmm. So he's a he's a big guy, a uh, big guy on campus up there. He's got his honorary doctorates. He's, they call him Doctor Swing. Dow Richards is one of our guests today, and let's talk to Dow. Okay, with us on the phone today from beautiful Vancouver, BC, which Joe and I just got back from yesterday. We were up there for about twenty four hours. It's a it's one of the most amazing cities uh, in the world, and uh, our guest today is Dow Richards, who is a legend in Vancouver and up and down the West Coast. He is the uh, Doctor of Swing. He is ninety two years old and has been performing for seven. 70 years at the PE, 75 years doing Dow Richards uh, New Year's Eve con- uh, concerts, performed with some of the biggest names in the business. Dow Richards, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? You got a lot of history there. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of history to talk about with you, sir. 75 years, 92 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dow, uh, I mean, you also have a star on the Vancouver Walk of Fame. You've been. Uh, inducted into uh, numerous uh, museums and uh, and uh, all kinds of uh, accolades and awards have come your way but before we get into what you're doing these days uh, where most men your age have retired and are hanging out uh, they're lucky to uh, you know get up and uh, move about you you're staying busy than I do let's go back to the beginning and uh, you actually got into music quite by accident can you tell us about that well as it turns out accident is a well-chosen word because I had an accident when I was a youngster um, and uh, with a slingshot and lost the vision of my left eye. And in those years, I was con- confined to a darkened room for several weeks, and I grew very despondent, very remote. So I was nine years old, and I could hear my chums playing outside and so forth, and I was confined to this room. And a wise old doctor told my mother, well, telling, talking to her, said, Olive, her name is Olive, Olive, you sing, you play the piano, and I've seen you in a few plays here locally. Perhaps your son has some musical talent. Why don't we try and find out if that is so, and that might relieve his uh, despondency. And that's exactly what happened. We went downtown, when I say downtown, I thought it was in the outer community of Vancouver Center, went down to a district called Kitsilano here locally and spoke to a bandmaster by the name of Arthur W. Delamont. 
And we had a dialogue and a conversation as to what instrument I would prefer and ended up to be the clarinet. And that was the beginning of my musical career and it certainly took me out of my despair at the nine years of age. So rather saved my life and began my musical career at that time. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> you picked up the clarinet and obviously you must have fallen in love with it a bit. And uh, now tell us, uh, you from there you progressed into... Uh, I assume high school, and then uh, did you go to college somewhere? In high school, I, in Vancouver, I attended what is called McGee High School. In the 30s, and in that period, that was the emergence of radio, network radio, and, and you could hear dance bands every night of the week for uh, several hours if you wanted to stay up late enough, broadcasting from ballrooms and hotels and nightclubs and so forth. And I grew very interested in that type of music. And um, as a result, I changed, well not changed, but augmented my clarinet the saxophone so I could have a little dance band at McGee High School. And that was the start of my interest in dance music and dance bands. And from there, I gradually expanded to when I left school, I went to work in various bands around the city of Vancouver. And that was the beginning of my interest in my career at that early time. I'm speaking of the 30s. Uh, in dance bands. So what? Uh, who was filling the airwaves uh, during the time uh, in high school, when you graduated from high school? What were the, uh, what was the popular music? Who was being played on the radio that was uh, grabbing your interest? There were, there were a lot of, this, uh, of course, the record program is, then is now. But a lot of live broadcasts, and the most decisive one that I heard was from the Palomar Ballroom in August of 1935 when Benny Goodman was discovered in his style of music. He had had little success until he got to Los Angeles in that era, and uh, the primarily the university students uh, were in the Palomar Ballroom that prophetic night, and uh, just brought the house down when Benny started playing his regular swing music with Gene, uh, stars such as Gene Krupa and Helen Ward. Yes. Them. That was the beginning of my interest in swing music. That very first broadcast of Benny Goodman for the Palomar Ballroom in 1935. And I continued for the rest of my life pursuing swing music <laughs> with various bands and uh, to this day I have a band that uh, frequently works full, full force with our 16 pieces but we play all sorts of sizes and groups now from a jazz quartet to a sextet to nine pieces to the full band we have a very wonderful engagement here every summer at the Pacific National Exhibition I don't think the light well, as I know, the likes of which are duplicated in Canada anywhere. There may be in the States, but for 17 days, we play two shows at the Pacific National Exhibition with their full complement and a couple of female singers. So that's a unique engagement and one we're very, very grateful for. Dell, I had a question for you. Uh, there's some pictures on your website of the Palomar Ballroom, and uh, I was wondering if that's a place that you had an opportunity to play, and um, you can tell some stories or a story of uh, your experiences being there. It was a great place. It was, as a matter of fact, it was built by 
uh, someone who lived in Los Angeles who moved to Canada and moved to Vancouver and his name was Jaime Singer and he had a sort of a consortium I guess they call it and uh, they built the Palomar Ballroom here in Vancouver uh, not unlike the one in California somewhat smaller of course and that was one of my first major engagements playing there at the Palomar here in Vancouver and uh, if you've seen pictures of it you'll know it was quite elegant and certainly took Vancouver by storm at that time and a singer came from California with with Jaime, or at the same time, by the name of Ethel Lang, who had sung with Betty Pollock, Los Angeles. And she joined my band at the Palomar. So it was, a, it was an enlightening relationship for me. She, she knew all the swing music and was a great swing singer, jazz singer. So I like to think we made a good, a good couple on uh, the bandstand. Well, so Dow, can you tell us some of the names uh, down through the uh, years that you've worked with that uh, people might recognize? Oh, yes, I think so. Uh, one of the first major names that we played with, and it was a big one at the time, was in the 40s, was Lena Horn. Oh, nice. And that was a great start. <laughs> yeah, what a place to start. She was a, and she was a wonderful person. As a matter of fact, she, one, one evening, she, I was having a few of the guys home after the gig, and she came home to our place in Carsdale, and uh, she sat on the stool in the kitchen and uh, sipping scotch, and the party sort of swirled around her. And uh, she was very gracious and very talented, needless to say, and had wonderful arrangements. It was quite a thrill accompanying her in her shows. And I worked with Sammy Davis Jr. a little bit later, um, after he had left the Will Maston Trio. And we had the opportunity of accompanying uh, Bing Crosby when he brought us Phil Cole radio show to Vancouver to play for a fundraising benefit. And uh, he brought us full cast from, from Los Angeles, from, from Los Angeles, yes, and, uh, but not his orchestra. Uh, and we had the pleasure of accompanying him here in Vancouver when he recorded this Phil Cole radio show. It was broadcast internationally in the United States. And the same thing with Jack Benny. Nice. He got his show here along with Rochester and Phil Harris, <laughs> all his stars, and, and uh, used my orchestra to play for the show. Great. And um, Rosemary Clooney comes to mind, another one we accompanied here in Vancouver, and we played, played for Liberace at the Queen Elizabeth Theater for a full week's engagement. He's a very nice gentleman. He uh, had a cast party at the end of the end of the run and um, gave me a pair of cufflinks, which I have to this day. <laughs> and uh, yes, we've worked with a lot of stars. It's a gainer junior. We've played for her many times. Mitchie Gainer. 
and uh, the list goes on. Yeah, that's quite uh, quite a lineup of stars that you've worked uh, alongside of. And I, what I find interesting is that uh, you just recently turned 92, and many men your age have uh, hung it up, and they uh, they they're living the retired life. What is it that keeps you going? You have a very busy schedule. We're going to talk in a moment about some things, important things you have coming up. But tell us your secret for staying busy. Well, uh, that's a good question. I have two words that I try and uh, live by uh, musically with my band. Uh, Two R's, as I call them, uh, were responsive and relevant. (laughs) And if we're responsive to what the, the audience likes to hear and what it enjoys, it becomes automatic that we're relevant because it's the audience that keep us active over the years and we still have an audience in spite of uh, swing being a past tense almost these days but there are people and young including young people who enjoy swing and the music we play and we're very grateful for that but we augment it with um, showmanship because they're no longer ballroom so we, we rarely play a dance unless it's for a convention or something of that nature at the Vancouver Convention Center here and more often we're playing for audience theater audiences on my 90th birthday it was a couple of years ago we had a big celebration on that occasion by having my 90th birthday staged in the Orpheum Theater <laughs> which seats 2,800 people and uh, we play a lot of theaters like the Orpheum, not not of that size, but theaters, um, um, neighborhood theaters of, say, 800 or 900 seats. So we become a show band as, response, as a, uh, opposed to a dance band in now, these current times. Now, you spent a little bit of time in Seattle, is that correct? Yes. <laughs> now, I'll back up just a bit on that, Daryl. Uh, in 1965, after, after enjoying a long, long run of the Hotel Vancouver, the Panorama Roof, in 1965, we'd been there 25 years, we were let go by, because tastes were changing, Elvis was in the charts, the Beatles were in the charts, and I could not get work for the big band. Simply, I couldn't find the market. So I thought I'd have to take a change in direction, and we have a local uh, a school called British Columbia Institute of Technology. Most of the uh, courses are two years, and I elected to take the hotel management course for two years. After graduation, I went into the hotel business. I was in the hotel business for about 10 years with music on the side. And one of my gigs was at the Jet Inn in Seattle. <laughs> and I was asked to be manager of that hotel for the reason that I had uh, music and theatrical and experience as opposed to uh, along with the manager, manager of uh, capabilities. And the bar was quite uh, an entertainment center, so I managed the entertainment and booked the entertainment as well as running the hotel. So I had a, I had a very enjoyable year in Seattle. Uh, 
Dal, I wanted to uh, ask you a question. It said on your website that uh, your all-time favorite film is Casablanca, which is one of my all-time favorite film uh, films also. And uh, it said that you uh, kind of were an expert uh, on Casablanca. And uh, I was wondering, do you have any kind of inside facts about the film that you might be able to uh, tell us about? Uh, it was an amazing film with amazing stars and a, and a wonderful score. It was all based on as time goes by. One of the most popular songs we play, which I sing, is as times go as time goes by. And of course, it started with the musical director uh, rejecting as time goes by, but he was convinced by the director of the program, director of the film, the worth of it, and it was incorporated all through the film. And I usually introduce the song by asking people if they remember. And I talked about many, how many how many times have you seen Casablanca? That's my opening. And I get hands. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you remember the characters like Sydney Greenstreet and Bowie, of course, Ingrid Bergman, and the rest of them, and lead into. Julie Wilson, seated at Rick, as the owner of America, Rick's American Bar was called, uh, taking the request, and then I say, maybe you better, you remember a bit of the dialogue of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world she had to come into mind, yes. etc., and lead into the song as time goes by. Well, Dal, uh, before we let you go, tell us what is happening on February the 12th at 8.30 a.m. <laughs> it's going to be a very eventful day, a morning and day in my life, the time of my life. Uh, I've been selected along with, I think it's 16,000 people who have been asked to uh, join in the torch run, as it's called. Um, and uh, that is my time at 8.30 a.m. here in Vancouver. It's the last day of the torch run, and uh, the delivery torch I'm talking about, of course. And I run from uh, to 300 meters on Robson Street at 8.30 a.m. holding the torch, and that's just about uh, the end of the run of the torch. And the final run is going to be in the BC Place Stadium, and we keep the games begin. So, how uh, have you been training pretty hard for that? How are you? Uh, how are you training to uh, run down three blocks at 92 years old, carrying the Olympic torch? I don't know that I could do that, and I'm only 44. <laughs> hey, hey, I am ready. Uh, I go out every morning and run at a nearby park, run for 300 meters, and each evening, as a matter of fact, I think as soon as we're finished this, I'm going to uh, do my 300 meters for my evening run, so I'm prepared. Great. Good. We'll be watching, Dal, for sure. Now, also, is it, uh, I believe, on March 12th, you will be opening the Paralympics, is that correct? That's right. And that'll be a nationally broadcast uh, opening of ceremonies, and you will uh, be uh, playing in that. In BC Place. Yes, that'll be great. And then also tell us real quick about uh, something really special is happening at the University of British Columbia here real soon. What are they bestowing on you? Ah, uh, yes. 
Um, uh, yes, in May I'm going to be giving in, given the Doctor of Letters by the University of British Columbia, and that's very exciting, very thrilling. So you will be a two-time you'll be a two-time Doctor of Swing. Doctor Swing. That is correct. <laughs> Dell, I wanted to ask you one last question. Of all these wonderful honors that you've received, uh, there are so many. And if I just ticked off a few, the International President's Citation uh, by Variety, the Children's Charity, the Honorary Doctorates, your Lifetime Achievement Awards from uh, Tourism Vancouver and the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. Are there any... Uh, of all the awards that you've received that you are most proud of? It has to be the Order of Canada. That's a very distinguished award. I think it was only a couple of hundred given each year at the most. And it's a very select fraternity. And uh, and, and I do appreciate that. It's, it's an honor that since I uh, I got through my music, well, more than my music, it was my association with uh, Variety, the Children's Charity, and I think the citation was that I've used my celebrity to, to help disadvantaged children. And uh, we, we think that is uh, a, a wonderful cause. And Dow Richards, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Good luck with the Torch Run. You also have a brand-new book out that is titled One More Time, which is also the uh, name of your latest CD. And I encourage oh, yeah, you. my book. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it reached number four in B.C. in British Columbia. Best-selling list. I'm quite thrilled about that. Yep, I've read it. It's a great read. I recommend it to everybody. Also, the your latest CD, which is also titled One More Time. Great, great tunes. Dal Richards, best of luck to you, sir. Thank you for joining us, and we can't wait to see you at the P&E Fair again. It's been a pleasure, Dal. Thank you, Dal. Thanks, Dal. All right, Dal Richards was our first guest. What a great guy, huh? Oh, fantastic. 92, going to be running the Olympic torch. Incredible man. That's crazy. All right, well, I got a question for you guys. Think back for a moment. What were you doing when you were 14? Uh, when I was 14, I was finishing up a three-state three crime spree. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was hanging out. looking for you. Probably uh, going to football practice, hoping my mom had dinner, uh, listening to a lot of music, and, uh, you know. Just hanging uh, out. I mean, just playing basketball in Double the Double D, yard. what were you doing at 14? See, I was not doing my homework. Yeah. <laughs> and I, was, I spent all my time riding my BMX bike, jumping yeah. jumps. Yeah, I think when I was 14, I was probably playing some sports, delivering the Tacoma News Tribune, and waiting for the next episode of the Dukes of Hazards to come on. Yes. Get my weekly fix of the boys, and, of course, Dave. <laughs> well, we got a friend in Vancouver. I, I have a friend in Vancouver. His name is Michael Nowak. He runs Saga Recordings. He contacted me about what I think is, a, is, is an amazing girl. She is 14. Her name is Louisa. And she has laid down some recordings that are getting quite a bit of notoriety. One of them is in heavy rotation on Women of Substance Radio. Louisa, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. Glad to be here. Great. Now, now, can you can you say your last name for us? We've had we've had trouble with this. <laughs> it's Lavoie. Lavoie. Okay. So a little bit of the French Canadian coming in, huh? Yes, exactly. Very good. Now, are, you're 14. Is that correct? 
Yes, I am. And so at 14, you're also, uh, uh, I understand, an actress yes. and a fashion model. <laughs> yeah. When do you have time for school, hon? Um, well, I guess I kind of mesh in the schedules together, and I hope everything works out, really. You can't really tell when anything, like the acting, is going to go on, so you kind of have to cross your fingers on that. Right. So, well, what? tell us what... Um, <clears throat> How did it come to you that you uh, were writing your own songs and then you decided, I think I'd like to put this down on some recording, and then uh, one thing leads to another, and here you are with several songs. You have an EP out. Tell us about that process. Uh, how did that come to you, and when did you decide, I would like to put this out there? Well, we actually um, got a new Mac um, maybe three years ago, and I was kind of new to the whole thing, so I was just kind of experimenting on GarageBand. So I basically got the basic tracks down and then I was just like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I basically started writing my own songs at around age 11. And I just decided to get those lyrics and take them and put them into actual songs and mush them together and it became a great song. Yeah, well, that that is fantastic. In fact, let's go into one of Luisa's songs. This is called Add and Subtract. My life is fine the way it is. Don't tell me anything else. I have to go this way. Don't tell me any lies. Oh, please don't make me walk away. If I can go back, what would I change? That's great. Louise, I wanted to ask you, um, who do you listen to and who would you cite as some of your musical influences? Um, well, I really like anything from rock to hip-hop, so I really like the Beatles and like Weezer, some of those like old classics, and I really like Rihanna or like Avril Lavigne right. in today's music, Uh-huh. because I think both, um, even though they're very different, their melody and their styles are really catchy so i just really like listening to them yeah i definitely say that about your music it is very catchy yeah very catchy and so louisa who uh did you hire some background uh, musicians do you have a band that you're currently uh uh gonna hit the road with or uh, how did you how did that work going into the studio well basically i um set up a few tracks on just basic garage band and then um michael um, the producer he just um, kind of touched it up a little, but hopefully I can get some musicians and um, write down the, I guess, the notes to the songs and hopefully get it on the road. So let me get this straight. On on rock band or garage band, <laughs> you basically laid down all these tracks. Yes, and my dad kind of helped me as well because he's um, a really good guitar player. So right. Yeah, and then you wrote the lyrics to all these songs. Yes. That is amazing. Well, let's go into an another song by Louisa. This is titled My Only Friend. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Skin and Bones. Skin and Bones. <laughs>
Louisa, uh, you. you said your uh, dad's a guitar player. Did he play on any of the tracks? Um, no, he doesn't, sadly. He just played on some of the earlier additions to uh, the song, and then they just kind of touched it up in the studio. So. so tell us right now where, uh, if somebody's interested in getting a hold of your your songs or your EP, your EP where can they go to get that? Um, they can just go on iTunes or any of those internet-based um, resources. It's not really out in, like, stores just yet, but mm-hmm. we'll wait and see. But you have it in rotation on Win- Women of Substance Radio, and is it being played anywhere uh, locally up in Canada, like in Vancouver? Um, not that I know of. I don't really... Well, it will be. It will be shortly, trust me. <laughs> yeah, my... Yeah. Someone doesn't really tell me that much, so. And uh, have you done any uh, live shows or any concerts with your uh, with your music with this new songs off the EP? I'm um, not currently because we still need to find some um, musicians, but hopefully, and I think soon we will probably um, hit the road. So. Great, that is awesome. Well, let's listen to this, and this is the song that I heard first. This was the one that really, uh, I was totally amazed at. This is the one that Michael sent me, and this is is titled My Only Friend. This is the one that's in rotation on Women of Substance Radio. Our guest is Louisa Lavoie, My Only Friend. That's great. I think uh, I can see big things happening with that. I wanted to ask you, uh, on that particular track, uh, you also made a video for it. How did that come about? Oh, it was really fun. Um, my cousin, actually, she is really into filming, so she um, came out to me and she's like, oh, how would you feel about making a video? And I was totally up for it, and it was really fun because we were just, like, in the park and, like, blasting the music and, <laughs> like... You know, some people, like, looked over, like, what are they doing? But, like, it was really fun. Now, yeah, you did a great job on it. I really liked it. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, now, do you have any brothers and sisters? Yes, I have one younger sister. She's um, 10, turning 11, actually, um, in two weeks. Very so. good. Now, tell me about uh, when you're at school. Do your, uh, your classmates know about this? Are you a big star on campus, or is uh-huh. the word just starting to get out? 
some people they know and like they like tell other people and then they come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I never knew you were on iTunes. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> That's great. And uh, do you have do you have a website right now or no? Me no. I'm just kind of starting off with that. So yeah, we got probably like come up to me and ask if I wanted to because she's very into getting me out there. Louisa, you want to give a uh, plug and a shout out to your uh, school and your schoolmates and say hello? I'm sure. Okay, so I'll like to say hi to everyone at LFA and especially to um, Alex, Christine, and Brenna. Great. Very good. And I want to thank your mom, Geraldine Santiago. She sent some very nice emails to me and, and uh, helped set all of this up. Yeah, she's very supportive. That's great. Yeah, you got to have supportive parents and Again, we see big things for you, and that is some great work from you, and I, I can only see it going up from here. I hope you stay with it. I hope you stay with your music. I know sometimes when you're doing modeling and doing acting, you're going to get pulled in different directions. You have a real gift there, girl. Stay, thank you so much. Stay with it, and thank you so much for coming on the program with us. Thanks. It's been really great. Yeah, her name is Louisa Lavoie. She's from Vancouver, B.C., and I recommend that everybody keep an eye on this girl because we're going to hear big things from her. Thanks, Louisa. Thanks, Louisa. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, I think it's time to do some birthdays. Yes, it is. Once again. Uh, this week in uh, the birthdays of the living, which is what we always start with. Because, man, if you see these cats, you know, these people walking around, you never know. Tell them happy birthday. Tell them happy birthday. Get an autograph. A, yeah, buy a round for them or something. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I've ran into this guy. I haven't. Uh, I didn't hurt him or anything, but uh, he lives in my old neck of the woods, and I've talked to him several times. One of my all-time favorite pitchers in baseball. Me too. I was at his very last game at the Kingdom. Happened to be in Seattle. Amazing. Yep. I was there. Uh, I was at the very first game. He pitched for the Astros, and he didn't get a no-hitter, but he hit a home run. <laughs> That's great. So, <laughs> my man, Nolan Ryan. The Express. 1947, he was born. He will be 67. Great, and, great uh, pitcher. Didn't get to play golf with him, but I met him on the golf course. That was very cool. All right, All right this guy, uh, born in 1931. He will be 78. Spent his entire career with one team. That's a great thing. And that would be the uh, lovable, but uh, never quite getting there, Chicago Cubs. And Ernie Banks. Ernie Banks. Let's Mr. play, too. Mr. Cub. Yeah. And then this guy, we're going the baseball route today. Can you tell, even though football's winding down, that they don't uh, have with, with, there's lots of good Mariners news going on. Yes. They might be really good this year. Okay. I'm kind of looking forward to spring training. <laughs> well, I saw this guy play because I grew up in Houston, and uh, his team used to roll into town, and we never missed it. I had a poster of him on my wall. He was... It's still, in my mind, the home run king. Yeah, me too. He, he used is. to walk up to the plate twirling his bat like a baton. Yeah. Mr. Henry Hank the Hammer Aaron. Yes. And uh, he was born on the 5th. Class guy. In 1934. He's going to be Hall of 75 Hall of years old, man. Hammer and Hank. I, you remember Hammer and Hank Double D? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you what have? team did he play for? Uh don't know. Do you Atlanta have Braves? That's right. Double D has hammers. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do some birthdays. Well, as always, we're going over to the other side. And uh, 
Like I said, I was heavily into baseball this week. and uh, <laughs> You're getting the spring fever? I know. I just, I don't know. I'm just optimistic about the Mariners. They're just saying such good stuff. I'm psyched. Yeah, me too. We should have Curto back on talk about some of that. Well, speaking of uh, another great Hall of Famer, the guy that broke the color line in uh, Major League Baseball, uh, the great Jackie Robinson, January 31st, 1919, would have been 90 years old. Uh, great player with the Dodgers, Brooklyn. And uh, what can you say? I mean, they, they retired his number. No one can wear 42. It was hung at every ball ballpark in the, in the uh, MLB. Well, now, I wanted to go all baseball players, but I uh, found as many as I could. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think this guy probably would have been a good ball player. Um, he certainly knew how to smoke them. Uh, the late, great Bob Marley. <laughs> He was a great soccer player. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. He did play the round ball. Yeah. Uh, what if he played cricket? February 6, 1945. Would have been 64 and went away to go, man. Oh, the guy had brain man. cancer. Just yeah. unbelievable. I miss the Marley. But, yeah, you do some Marley. Left a great legacy, and a lot of his kids are making great music. Yeah. And now, if I just say one word to Double D, oh, this no. is another great no. Hall of Fame baseball player. Okay. And you expect me to know this? No, you're going to know this one. <laughs> D- Double D's going to know this one. What comes to mind when I say the babe? Ruth. There you yeah. go. And it's not just a candy bar. <laughs> I had one the other day. <laughs> Bet you did. The Bambino, February 6th with Bob Marley. Yes. Uh, and Babe could have partied with, bar- oh, with Bob. He would have loved to party <laughs> with Marley. Because the Babe liked to party. They could have had hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> February 6th, 1895 would have been 114 years old. The Sultan of Swat. The house that Ruth built, what can you say? Yeah, the babe. The, the babe. All right. Well, let's transition into, uh, we got an interesting this week in music. Uh, these boys, you know, they've been around a long time, and uh, they, they've got, they got some great tunes, but none better than this one. No, and these guys were my favorites in high school. I was a big rocker in high school, and if anybody put no. any disco on, I was putting these guys on. Fog hat. <laughs> And uh, unfortunately, a little sad, February 7th, 2000, uh, Dave Peverett, also known as Loadsome Dave, the lead singer of Foghat, died on this day from kidney cancer at age 56. Had been in Savoy Brown also. Also in Foghat, I miss Loadsome Dave. They're not the same without him. No, so hey, thank you for that. This week in music history. You bet. So, uh, yeah, we got some bad news, though. Uh, we've been uh, at the top of the uh, of our podcast. We mentioned that we were going to go down to Los Angeles and pick up uh, an interview with Brian David Whitman, man. And, well, uh, we've been waiting around for the phone call, and it's, it hasn't come in. Oh, man, hope he's okay. Yeah, I hope Whitman's all right out there, and uh, we're, we're going to try to get in touch with him to reschedule. But sometimes this is what happens, man. You schedule somebody, and who knows what happened. I don't know, so hopefully he'll contact us. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the podcast world. Um, a lot of people, <laughs> like Dal Richards, who kept asking me what our call number was, our call numbers were, call letters, and uh, you know what time were we on, and are we live – some people just don't get the whole podcasting thing. You know, we don't broadcast. And I think it's actually the beauty of podcasting, whereas when we're on the radio or somebody's on there, you hear something on the radio and you say, oh, man, did you hear so-and-so do this routine or say this? 
and they say, uh, no, mm-hmm. no, I missed it, right? Well, here, you can, we, even the shows that, are, we have our featured show of the week, which would be this one, but if, if somebody wants to go back and hear an interview, we have it on the website. So, or it's on iTunes, and you can go back and listen at any time and direct people to a certain show that you thought was interesting or funny or whatever. Uh, so, but there's a, there's a lot of podcasts. I, I don't know. Do you guys listen to podcasts much? Occasionally, yes. Yeah, so there, if you go to iTunes and just type in podcasts, there's, a, there's a, tons of them for, for everything, for tech news, for uh, business news, there's comedy ones. Uh, the Onion has one. Lots of people have uh, podcasts, and we got some friends down in Los Angeles. Uh, the The Oddcast is the name of their uh, shindig and soiree, and that's Dusty Angel and Michelle Fanara and a bunch of their friends. And well, I was listening to them last week, and they had Whitman on, and I heard this. I thought it was pretty cool. Had some good pizza yep. there. I'm sorry. It's, it's one of the things that I have to apologize for. Also, I'll be doing the Northwest Convergence Zone. Those guys. Uh, Those do, guys are my friend. Oh, I like the Darren. Darren. Daryl. Yeah. Daryl. Yep. Those are good guys. He, he called me and left me a message. So Daryl will hear this. I'll be in touch. Good with guys. Darryl. I'm going to do a telephone interview on their podcast. They're good guys. Real good guys. But then, yep. but then again, all right. Brian. So that was the the voice you heard saying, "I'm going to call those." That's Brian Whitman. Right. And uh, for those of you who don't know anything about Brian Whitman, because, I mean, we're in the Northwest, he was primarily uh, down in Los Angeles, but he was on the, uh, for years and years and years, on the Rick Dees show. And a lot of people remember Rick Dees for the Disco Duck song, but more than that, he was the number one show forever down in Los Angeles, and I think uh, all across the country knew his syndicated, and Whitman did all of his voices and was a main player on his show. And then he, he's done some solo stuff, but most recently he was on the Conway and Whitman show, which was on uh, KLSX down in L.A. We had Conway on our show, and uh, he was a great interview, great guy, lives in Portland. So uh, Whitman does all kind of voices. He's very, very funny, very talented guy. I think he's the most talented voice guy out there now, more than Caliendo. He reminds me a lot of Rich Little because he really uh, takes over the character of who he's doing. I mean, his whole vo- face changes and he becomes that person so uh hopefully we can reschedule with whitman and uh and bring brian on and that that's kind of a bummer right yeah definitely because we were looking forward to it and uh we're gonna get it you know eventually yeah because i want to talk to the beaver (laughs) yeah he does a great uh leave Leave it to to beaver Beaver. so anyway all right well so that's a bummer that didn't happen but uh that's the way it goes sometimes but I want everybody to uh, tune in next week. We're going to have uh, our Valentine's Day special, and that will be posted up. The Super Bowl will be over. It's the whole week is the lead-up to Valentine's, and we're going to give you lots of ideas on what to do and give you some facts and figures and trivias. There will be no guests. It's just us, and we don't do that very often. We love to have guests in here and interview people, but every once in a while we like to do our own thing. That's right. And uh, I, I think we're going to have fun with that. Yeah, trust us. We're love doctors. <laughs> but when we come back from that, uh, we are loaded up for bear with guests. We're going to have uh, Teddy Haggerty, who is a local artist and an actor and an author and a man about town, man, a true renaissance guy. He's got some great, great stories. Also, uh, Kristen Connell's coming up. We also have uh, Vicky Martinez is coming up. A really funny comedian gal from Seattle who's down in L.A. Her name is Alicia Wood. 
And we're getting, we got some, uh, and also we're working with the Whalers and the Ventures and Dudley Taft, uh, the blues uh, band. He was used to be in Sweetwater. So we got lots of stuff rolling, folks, and I hope you stay with us. And uh, once again, this has been the Northwest Conversion Zone Show. My name is Big D. On behalf of uh, Big Joe and Double D and, of course, the boys, Squeeze and Wonder Boy, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. We're going to go out with some little uh, Dow Richards here. This is from his latest CD called One More Time. The name of the track is Opus One. It's the Northwest Convergence Zone. Where all things come together.